Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Thank you for worshiping with us. Uh, welcome to any of our visitors. Uh, glad to have you with us. We hope that you uh, continue to worship with us. And I have a few questions for you. What is better than rubies? What do fools despise? And what comes out of the mouth of the Lord? Now, there's one answer for all of those uh, questions. I'll give you a moment to contemplate that. As you probably guessed from the reading, we're going to be talking about wisdom. But I kind of wanted to keep the cat halfway in the bag, but I'm sure some of it got out. Um, so what's better than rubies? For wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. What do fools despise? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And what comes out of the mouth of the Lord? For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So this morning we're going to be talking about wisdom and praying for uh, wisdom. And there's all kinds of different uh, wisdoms out there, uh, various different subjects. But we're going to focus in on a particular type. And one last question. Who became wisdom for us from God? But of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So have you ever had to take a test uh, in school or I know what? The way school is going, maybe not. But um, <laughs> at work where you had to study or maybe prepare, uh, put in some prep work for that. And if so, James mentions for us as believers that our faith is going to be tested. So that's a test that we all uh, will have to take. And he kind of gives us some advice in James chapter one and verse two. We see there. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work and that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. Now, we probably hear this word uh, liberal, liberally, and uh, probably some negative connotations with that. But um, I'd like to uh, add to that. What we mean there is uh, freely. Uh, so there, there's no lack of. So he generously gives this wisdom to those who who ask. And so asking God for wisdom is how we can prepare when our faith is tested beforehand. And today we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that very topic. And we're going to look at a person who actually prayed for this wisdom. And we're going to see how that turned out uh, for him. So this is our primary text um, for those who maybe don't want to flip back and forth. So if you just stayed right here, this is where we're going to spend the majority of our time. First Kings chapter three, beginning in verse one. Now, Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord 
and the walls around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father, David, except that he sacrificed and burnt incense at the high places. So walking in the statues of his father, David, indicates that Solomon knew the Lord, respected the Lord and basically had a multi-generational relationship. Um, So do you have a multi-generational relationship with the Lord? And what I mean by that simply is, did your parents, did your parents worship? So does that relationship with God extend beyond just your generation? Now, my brother and I, uh, he has three girls and uh, biologically, and I have one biologically, four children, but uh, one biologically. And with them all being girls, we were like, okay, you know, the name, you know, the name might not carry on. So, you know, I was asking, hey, are you going to get back? You know, not me, but are you going to uh, keep trying? He's like, no, no. So um, what I thought was important there, because we kind of get hung up on our name getting carried on, but there's a name that we should be a lot more concerned about getting carried on to the next generation. See, that's that multi-generational thing where your father worships. So if Jesus, if that name is the one that extends across the generations, it's much more important than, than my last name or your last name. But some would probably argue that point. Now, with the name carrying on, usually there's some benefits. There's sometimes there's a reason why people want uh, to be associated with a certain name. Usually there might be an inheritance. You know, sometimes when there is uh, a death, uh, a lot of people are trying to establish who they are and that they they deserve uh, parts of um, some of that wealth. <clears throat> now, in Genesis chapter 12 and verse seven, we kind of see some origins of that name, the importance of descendants and inheritance and that kind of stuff. Genesis chapter 12 and verse seven. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So it seems like when you're dealing with God, he not only has the power to bless you here and now, but your children and your children's children. So it, it has a lot more weight to it. Now, that was pretty far back with Abram. But then even in Galatians, Paul shares with us Galatians chapter three and verse twenty nine. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. So that's a little more updated. So we're still we're still in there. <clears throat> so there are blessings for those that are faithful. Throughout the generations, it doesn't just stop at a certain point. So I wonder what being faithful, what does that look like? First Kings chapter three and verse four. Now, the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Now, during our speaker training, we were talking about all of these different uh 
these sacrifices and how many uh, Solomon offered. So we see that um, when he had this relationship and he walked with God, it wasn't just in word. He actually took some action. Can you imagine a thousand burnt offerings? That's a lot of barbecue. That's a lot of barbecue. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? Now, for some people, that would be the end of them, because um, generally we don't know what to ask for. There's been many a times that I look back on some of the things that I've asked God for, and I'm glad that he did not give them to me. So because of this relationship that Solomon uh, had with God, God talked to him. Let me ask you, do you talk to God? Do you have conversations with them? And if so, how often? How often is that? And do you know what a unique opportunity that is? Because um, I think about we, we were talking about the idol worship. Now, how dead those conversations are to, a, to an idol and how dynamic our conversations and our prayers are to our God. And just in case you you didn't know, James helps us out there with um, beginning in James chapter five and verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So our prayer is very powerful. Look at all the things that it can do, not just for you, but for other people. We go on to, to read that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. That's powerful, I would think. I don't know about you. So in there also, James instructs us to pray for other people. So for those who don't know what to pray for, uh, praying for other people. And I'm really thankful to Larry and April, uh, especially when I first got here, um, how in the bulletin there is a prayer list. So if if you don't know what to pray for, it's written down and then it's not it's not static because as prayers are answered and people are healed, it's updated. See, I didn't realize that I would give Larry some um, different things to pray for, but then he circled back like. Maybe later on that week, like, hey, how's it going? Did you? And I'm like, no, you know, I, I just handed it off to you. And he's like, no, you know, this is dynamic. We update as as God answers the prayer. We want to we want to share that. So you need to go back, find out what's going on and then come back and let me know. So I was like, OK, so I see how active that is. And I really appreciate the diligence of uh, him and April and what they do for us. Continuing on in verse six. And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, 
you have made your servant king instead of my father, David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. So it seems like Solomon kind of falls into that category, too, of maybe not knowing exactly um, what it is uh, that he's doing at times, too. And we see with him mentioning his father, um, that multi-generational relationship with God. It's not just a cold call. And I was just uh, joking with my son about this. I was saying, what if, you know, you pray to God after all this time and with your cell phone, you know, and, and we have caller ID, right? So we look and then it's like sus suspected spam. This might be spam. Does anybody recognize this number? Any angels, do you recognize this number? I mean, we, that would be the opposite of having a relationship with God. Whereas he's like, oh, oh, that's that's Jordan. Call. Oh, OK, I, I got him. Oh, oh that's Bruce. Oh, yeah, I, I, I recognize that number. So. There is something to be said with having a relationship with God. And then also, if your parents had that relationship, it's kind of like the road is paved for you in a way. Now, we've been studying for those who haven't been here on Wednesday. We've been studying the book of uh, Isaiah. And I kind of saw an opportunity to kind of blend that in there with uh, King Ahaz, because I had chapter seven in, in Isaiah. And King Ahaz had the same opportunity as King Solomon, where he was presented with an opportunity. Hey, ask God what you will. What, what would you like God to do for you? Isaiah chapter seven and beginning in verse 10. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, ask a sign for yourself from the Lord, your God. Ask it either in the depths or in the heights above. How does he respond? But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, here now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? That last part, I really didn't know what that meant, wearying God. But that's like grieving God. Are you, you going to be a problem for men and for God? I mean, you have the nerve and and. God is making is offering something to you and you're going to reject God. I think that's the very definition of foolishness right there. The opposite of what we're looking at now. King Ahaz had more trust and faith in man than he did God. So God was with with this prophecy. He was basically being asked to make a choice. Will you trust God or will you trust man? And basically, sometimes we're in that same situation. The Bible tells us one thing clearly. But we're like, I think I'm, I know a little bit more background about the situation. So I think I'm going to lean. You know, I, I appreciate I appreciate your opinion. I respect your opinion, but I'm going to go this way. And that's kind of how uh, King Ahaz was. And I found it interesting that God offered King Solomon and King Ahaz uh, what both the Greeks and the Jews sought after. And I saw that in first Corinthians chapter one and verse 22, where it says, for the Jews request a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. So I was like, huh, that kind of sums up a lot of things for me. Now, un now, unfortunately, instead of God's wisdom, King Ahaz sought and trusted in the wisdom of men. Um, 
which is very unfortunate because the advice that Solomon gives us in Proverbs uh, chapter three and verse five, it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. That might be very hard for us to do uh, at times. Now, we might have reason for not trusting in the Lord. Maybe we've asked him for some things in the past and we felt like he didn't come through or he didn't answer the prayer the way we wanted him to. So we're like, I'm going to be a little hesitant in reaching out uh, to him. Or maybe with our request and our supplication, maybe we just didn't have that right. Now, James provides us some insight in James chapter four, and verse one, about with our petition and supplication, there's some things that we could have wrong in there that we could kind of tighten up a little bit. Beginning in verse one, James chapter four and verse one. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. So I was wondering, in some of the prayers that I prayed, was it to satisfy my pleasures or was it on behalf and to help someone else? There's a huge difference. So what's the purpose behind your petitions when you pray? Why are you asking God for that particular thing? And I think a better question is, if he gave it to you, what would you do with? It? Is it just for you? I think you have your answer to your prayer right there. Continuing on in verse eight. First Kings chapter three, verse eight. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? There's a lot to unpack there. Solomon uh, provides a context. Just in case God didn't know what was going on, maybe he was busy. He said, hey, this is what's going on. Um, and your people are in need of leadership. And that's what I'm basically asking you to give me. Now, in the midst of that, Solomon also confesses um, how he's going to use the gift. So he answers that question. If you give it to me, this is what I'm going to do with it. So I look at this judgment of God's people as actually something that's in God's will. So that's another question uh, or litmus test that we could we could ask ourselves. Does this further God's plan? Is this something that helps him or just me? Verse 10, first Kings chapter three and verse 10. The speech pleased God that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing, and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked 
the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. So it seems like to me Solomon's request lines up exactly with God, because God is a person who wants justice as well. And when I first mentioned this topic during our speaker training, I like how Glenn just really cut to the chase. He was like, you're not going to get the wisdom unless you put in the work and study. Uh, without studying and, and reading and, and investing that time, that wisdom's not just going to uh, spontaneously uh, appear. And then I saw scripture that really lined right up with that in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, where it says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I was contemplating, I was like, this kind of seems exactly like what Solomon is asking God for. And Paul shares with us more elaborately this uh, wisdom. And he describes it as the wisdom from the spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And verse six, where we find, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And you've heard that mentioned uh, earlier this morning. So to me, that would be the very definition of foolishness, doing away with the Lord of, of glory or going against him in any way. Verse nine. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what a man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of God that may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that Paul mentions, they both uh, sound similar to the understanding back again that Solomon asked for, this discernment. Uh, if you will. And I wonder, does how does God answer Solomon's prayer? Verse 12, first Kings chapter three, verse 12. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you wise and 
a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I've also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So a very unique uh, blessing that the Lord gives to uh, Solomon. And I wonder, is, is this just for Solomon? Because I kept reading there about only for you and nobody after you will have this. So that that kind of discouraged me somewhat to ask for the wisdom, because I'm like, you're only going to give if you're only going to give that to Solomon, then should I pray for it? But in Matthew, chapter six and verse thirty three, um, I found this. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So it doesn't seem like this scenario just applies to Solomon. It applies to us um, as well. Continuing on in verse 14. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes, my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke and indeed it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offering, offered peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. So it seemed like this last portion is conditional because we see the if and the then. And I think that applies to us as well. If we'll do this, then he will do that. So I wonder after this whole ordeal and God grants Solomon the wisdom that he asked for, what conclusion with the wisdom that he has does he come to? And over in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter one and verse beginning in verse 12. We find I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I set my heart to seek and search out the wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of men, man, but which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight and what is lacking cannot be numbered. I commune with my heart, saying, look, I have attained greatness and I have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge. And I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is grasping for the wind, for in much wisdom is much grief. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. This was kind of a sad conclusion for me because I'm like, after gaining all that wisdom, I think the quote that really fits it to me is, um, it was all for naught. So was Solomon's quest for wisdom all for naught? I, I thought a better question would be, can wisdom truly exist apart from God? And Ultimately, when King Solomon's faith was tested, did he pass? Did he pass? 
with all this knowledge. First Kings chapter 11, beginning in verse one. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sadeans, and Hittites, from the nation of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives. If I could just stop there for a minute. I'm just trying to see uh, 700, 700 wives, <clears throat> princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord, his God, as it as was the heart of his father, David. So what I see there is for a little while, Solomon um, must have been faithful because it says uh, when he was old. So I'm thinking when he was young, maybe he did the right thing because we had that conditional uh, answering of his prayer. And I was wondering when we turn away from God, what does that look like? What does turning away from God look like? And in James chapter one and verse 14, it, can, it provides us with some insight. It says there, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So I wonder what does. And what did Solomon's sin, what did it look like? Chapter 11, verse 5. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sedeans, and after Milcom, and the, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as his father, David. Then Solomon built the high place. For Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and the hills that are east of Jerusalem for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Now, in Solomon's old age, when he was tested, when his faith was tested, I think we can all come to the conclusion that he failed. He failed that test, despite all of that wisdom and knowledge. <clears throat> so I wonder when we are tested, when our faith is tested, how will we pass that test? Romans chapter three and verse 23, we find all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it seems like this test is very hard. This is not an easy test. Um, and I don't think anyone can pass this tests on their own. But Solomon gives us some wise advice. Proverbs chapter three, verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So I think that's how you pass the test on your faith. Trust in the Lord. 
not in yourself. So have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If not, you're in the right place to confess your sins, repent and be baptized. And I would do it today if I were you. Um, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you've been unfaithful in the relationship? If so, you're also in the right place. And if you need the prayers of the church, again, you're in the right place. So if you're joining us virtually and you fall into one of those categories, we would ask that you reach out to the elders today, if I were you. And if you're physically with us in the sanctuary, would you please come forward, have a seat on the front pew as we stand and sing Song of Invitation. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.